Welcome to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. Today we have a first on First Time Bible Teacher, which I guess there's always a first in First Time Bible Teacher, but today is our first interview, and our first interview episode has a good friend of mine and fellow Good Lion podcaster, Aaron Salvato. Aaron Salvato was the youth leader at Calvary Vista for many years and is doing so much in getting the Good Lion Podcast Network started and running. Uh, He's just such a great person to talk to about ministry, about teaching, uh, and about being creative in ministry and things like that. This was a conversation that we recorded at a youth retreat or camp, however you want to say it. I call them retreats. Aaron calls them camps. You call them whatever you want. At a youth event, uh, a weekend event that Aaron came and taught for the youth group that I led, and we were able to steal some time away and talk through teaching. This was such a fun conversation to have. Um, I hope it's a conversation that you love and enjoy as well. Let's dive in. Aaron Salvato. Hey. Thank you for being here. So glad to be here. Let's let people know who you are a little bit. Let's okay. talk about your Christian background. Ooh, well, <laughs> I feel like I was basically born a Christian because my dad was a pastor and my mom was like a woman's ministry leader. Mm-hmm. I always say to kids, like, I came out and the doctor slapped me and I was like, hallelujah, because yeah. that's <laughs> basically the life of a Christian kid, pastor's kid. You had like the John the Baptist leaping in the womb at spiritual things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and I, I, I grew up... And never really rebelled or did anything too crazy. But in middle school, that's absolutely when I was like, okay, I'm going to make a decision for myself to be a follower of Jesus. And it's just been this journey of continuing to grow in the Lord, struggling through some doubt, struggling through some discouragement. But in the end, just like to me, Jesus is the most compelling thing out there. I haven't found anything else in the world that I'm more convinced of than Mm. who Jesus is and what he's all about. So... Yeah, that's kind of my Christian background. So then that makes sense then if if there's this com- compulsion? Is that yeah. the word I'm looking for? Yeah. I was going to say compelling, but that's not a word. I think both work maybe. I don't if know. If you are so compelled by Christ, then but, it makes sense then that you would want to translate that into teaching. Yes. Where within that journey did yes. teaching become a thing for you? Okay, so I... Again, a pastor's kid, so I'm around preaching a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was that nerdy kid who just loved his youth pastors. I had like probably about seven different youth pastors. I had uh, Evan Wickham as my junior high pastor for three years. And then I had four different high school pastors who all had different aspects of preaching that they used that I just grabbed onto and was like, I love the way this guy teaches this. I love that guy's passion. I love that guy's intellectualism. So I just loved preaching growing up. And I was kind of like that kid that everybody... Um, would come to and just ask advice. But then, like, I never got invited to parties. They're like, Aaron, what should I do about this struggle in my life? And then they'd be like, oh, yeah, and there's nothing going on tonight. Don't ask. Like, (laughs) don't worry about it. Like, we're not all going to the movies. Um, We want very selective things from you. Right, exactly. Yeah, everyone knew I was the pastor's kid, and that's probably why I got asked spiritual questions, and it's probably also why I didn't get asked to go to the parties. In a yeah, small, the two work together. Yeah, in a small youth group community where your dad is like kind of the principal of your private Christian school, not really the best thing for popularity. That makes sense. Yeah. So when I was 16, I started volunteering in the youth group. And this is junior high ministry. So I'm a 16-year-old ministering to, you know, 12, 13-year-old, 11-year-olds, that mm-hmm. kind of age range. And 
just to be honest, getting into it, I, my motives were very much like <laughs> I got, well, here's how it started. I didn't want anything to do with youth ministry. I actually had no interest. I got asked by the youth pastor, Trevor O'Keefe, to come up to a youth winter camp and film it. And he was like, I'll hire you. I'll pay you a couple hundred bucks. You'll make a little mini documentary about camp. So my motivation was totally financial getting into it. Perfect. And, but just going up there, I was like. A couple hundred bucks when you're 16. Oh my gosh. It's very meaningful. Oh my gosh. It's like, that's like the jackpot. Yeah. Like you, that's so many comic books and video games. You'd made it. Yeah. Especially in the nineties. Um, or this would have been the early 2000s, but I went up there and God just lit my heart on fire for these young kids because I was like, oh my gosh, these kids are going through what I'm going through. And I, honestly, I was a very insecure, very awkward guy, still am. Um, but I was looking at these young kids, you know, and I'm this 16 year old and I'm like, wow, this 12 year old is going through what I'm going through. And he looks up to me and that's awesome. Like, I like that. Like, I, mm. I like being there for someone and mentoring them and helping them. So I started getting into teaching and starting out, honestly, I would not say my motivation in teaching was like, I just want to do whatever I can to bless the Lord and whatever I can to bring honor to him. Like my heart was like, oh my gosh, the youth pastors who I look up to so much asked me to teach. Like I got to make sure that like, this is something that they are impressed with. Will like, they be proud of me? Right. Will they be proud of me? Notice me sensei, that mm-hmm. whole thing, you know? And, um, so it started out like that, but as time went on, I really began to love it. And for me, as I started to grow in ministry, as I got called eventually to become a youth pastor, I started to notice how preaching the word of God makes that light bulb go on in people's heads and their hearts where all of a sudden it clicks and they're like, I want to follow Jesus. Like mm-hmm. I want to preach the gospel. I want to live out this mission. And so that's what preaching was for me. Like good preaching changed my heart and made me want to follow Jesus better. And so that became for me the motivation was I want to help people. I don't want to just give them facts. I don't want to just give them history or context. Like I want to light their heart on fire the same way my heart has been lit on fire. It's interesting that you bring up that it's something you had experienced and it was an experience that you wanted to pass along. Hmm. That's an interesting way to kind of look at teaching that it wasn't just this skill set you wanted to have. Right. It was very much a means to an end. Yes. And when I think we look at preaching, a lot of times we look at it as it's this thing unto itself. Like preaching is this immensely valuable, can't be defiled, can't be messed with sort of thing. Hmm. And it becomes an idol. Yes. For lack of a better term. Yes. Maybe not even for lack of a better term. That just may be what it is. It becomes this thing we look up to so much that we forget the purpose that it has. I think what I've noticed is that some people want to be a preacher Mm. more than they want to preach. And what I mean by that is like they grow up looking up to these great preachers like Spurgeon or maybe a Mark Driscoll or, you know, a Chuck Smith or whoever, you know, just there's all these different preachers across the spectrum. And there can become this idolization where it's like, I want to be that guy where Mm. people look at me and I'm on the stage and I've got this power. But what I mean by they want to be a preacher more than they want to preach is it's they, they want the identity and the status more than they want to actually light God's word on fire and mm-hmm. allow people's hearts to capture it. And I know that I've gone through seasons in my life where I have been guilty of that. And um, I'd say I'm at a place now where I just realize 
how not great I am mm -hmm. and how limited I am because I've taught sermons that worked out really well and I've taught others that bombed and failed. And I've just realized that it's the Holy Spirit that enables any of us to do it mm -hmm. and gives any of us the power to do it. And it's not us, it's not our abilities, because here's the reality. You can hear the greatest preacher in the world preach a sermon, but if he's not preaching with the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a big chance it might not connect and actually do anything in your mm -hmm. heart. It might sound great in the moment, but when you leave and go home, there's no staying power. On the other hand, I've heard guys who are not that gifted and maybe it's their first time preaching and they're young and they're inexperienced, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like taking notes and I'm like, oh my gosh, God is speaking to me through this message. Even though I know this guy is not experienced, like mm -hmm. I see what the spirit's doing. So to me, I'm in a place where I'm just understanding more than ever the, the importance of the need for the spirit in preaching. Mm -hmm. So as your preaching has gone on, one of the things that I know about your preaching style is that it comes from a very unique note-taking process or style. Mm. I've heard legends and rumors and myths about what this is, um, but know none of the substance. So yeah. take us a little bit through your process of going from, I have this opportunity to preach, or right. I've been given this text or picked this text or whatever, right. all the way through actually delivering the message. So I am kind of a weird guy, and I have a strong aversion to like traditional ways of doing things or kind of like anything that's systematic in nature, I have like a strong aversion to. I'm not mm -hmm. wired towards that. I remember my dad um, taught an inductive Bible study class um, at our um, church, at our private Christian school. And I just remember really struggling with anything where it's like kind of methodology of how to do things. I've always just been someone who kind of does things my own way. And so when I got into preaching, um, I didn't really do the thing that a lot of my friends were doing where it was kind of like you went to a lot of commentaries. Um, for me, it was a lot of just trying to think deeply about the scriptures. And honestly, when I started out, I was very inexperienced. And I'll just be honest, when I was a middle school pastor, I relied so much on humor. And, um, and I, I truly believe, I've gone back, I've looked through my old notes, I know that God was using those messages, I know they were impacting people, but I would say substance-wise, it was kind of like, I would say maybe it was 75% stand-up comedy, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then the rest was theology, and I regretted that looking back, like thinking, man, like I wish I would have studied harder. And for me, when I became the high school pastor at my church, God brought me to this place where he was like, you need to grow. Like you need to actually start really studying and really thinking deeply and critically about things. So that put me on a trajectory of like, I started reading all the books I can get my hands on and listening to like seminary lectures and Bible college lectures and just like, basically, I don't know if this makes sense, but like stepping out of the comfort zone of like the small circle of authors and pastors that I had grown up with, where it's basically mm -hmm. like, I mean, we're in the Calvary Chapel network. So yeah. it was kind of like, you know, I'd listen to guys like, you know, Greg Laurie, Levi Lusco, Skip Heitzig, Chuck Smith, you know, all these guys who are great. You and go to the David Guzik commentary that's yeah. online, which is crazy helpful. It's so good. But it's, it's a, it can be viewed as this just one-stop shop. You get that and that's it. Right. So I, st I started 
getting a broader view, um, my old youth pastor, Evan, went to Portland, Oregon, and that's where he kind of came across this movement called the uh, A Jesus Church Movement Network. Mm -hmm. And there was guys like uh, Tim Mackey from The Bible Project, uh, Josh White from Door of Hope Church, John Mark Cummer, Dominic Doan. And then beyond that, I mean, I just kept looking into all these different pastors and I just, I started to grow. And this is kind of, you wanted to hear more about the methodology, right? Yeah, but the thinking that led to the methodology is also great. So here's the heart that yeah. I came to. Like, I'll just summarize my whole main principle in preaching. I'm a church kid. I grew up in the church. When I was 17 years old, I was in a place where I felt like I had heard every single Bible study ever. Like mm -hmm. pastor's son, lots of different youth pastors, lots of different sermons that I'd heard. I was a, I was kind of a prideful, you know, church kid. Mm -hmm. And I was at a point when I was like 17 where I thought, you know, you can't teach me anything new. I've heard it all. I've read all the Bible stories. I know all this stuff. Like, yeah. totally stupid and arrogant. And I remember, you know, a pastor would teach something like, uh, he'd, he'd be teaching a study on David and Goliath. And I would immediately in my mind be like, oh, what's the application going to be? Like, how to slay your giants? Like, mm -hmm. I would just kind of assume that was there. And that was arrogance and that was stupid. But looking back on my own heart, when I became a high school youth pastor, I realized how many kids were in that place where they were kind of like, okay, we have gone to youth group, we've gone to church, we've been to Bible class, we've heard all of these things, like we know the basics. And basically, for me, it brought me to a point where I was like, I want to take a passage and as a preacher, I don't want to take the easy way out. Because I think anytime mm -hmm. you pull up any passage, there is a very obvious application for that passage. There's an easy place to go. There's a very easy place to go when you're a youth pastor and you're stressed out and you're running all these events. It's very easy to be like, okay, I've got like four hours before I got to preach. Like I can pull, oh yeah, it's Joshua and the wall. Okay, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, faith and God's plan and all that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and not to really steady the original languages and the original context and to really go deeper. And the thing that really blesses me in preaching is when someone takes something that is not necessarily new. I don't believe there's any new truth. I believe that all the truth that we can have is already there. It's in the scripture. But someone who takes an old truth and presents it in a new way, where all of a sudden, like, like to me, Tim Mackey is just like the genius at doing this. Like a message that he gave on Jonah, and he was talking about, you know, that verse where Jonah's preaching his three-word sermon to Nineveh, and he's like, um, in 40 days, Nineveh shall be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Well, in the original language, that word destroy is hapak. And basically the meaning of that word, there's three meanings. One is to turn something over. So just the basics, like you, you flip something over. The second meaning is to take something that's like normal and then flip it and destroy it. Like take a city and flip it on top and it's crushed. Mm -hmm. But the third meaning is to take something that's broken and turn it over and restore it. And so Tim just draw, he drew out mm. this thing where it was like when Jonah was giving his sermon, 40 days in Nineveh shall be hopped. In his mind, he thought it was Nineveh will be destroyed. But God knew that the prophecy would actually come true in the meaning that God intended. Like God trumped what Jonah was trying to do. And just when I heard that, it blew my mind. And it, it got me really excited about the idea of committing myself to really go further in any passage and try to pull out something that's fresh for these kids. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of my whole mentality is like, I want to get to something that's fresh. And that's something you won't get 
from so many of the curriculums and just things that are like mass produced. Right. We're in a couple like Facebook groups together of like youth pastors united or youth pastors, whatever, and all these different things. Yes. And I get so discouraged by the number of times I read, Hey, we're getting ready for a series on this. Does anyone know of a good curriculum? Yeah. And a lot of guys out there aren't writing their own sermons, but I think that's crazy to me. I think it's pretty unique though to us in Calvary Chapel. We're very big on preaching. We're very big on prepping our own sermons, but still it's very easy to go to someone else's commentary or someone else's preparation or even what a lot of guys in Calvary do is honestly, they just look up what Chuck Smith does Mm -hmm. and they'll just try to imitate what he does. And to me, I think in a postmodern, post-Christian world, when you're dealing with youth, like we need to present not again, not new ideas. It's the same old truth, but we need Mm -hmm. to present it in a way that it's you want that moment where people are sitting there in the chairs going, oh, my gosh, I have never heard it put that way before. It it just makes so much more sense. It's alive. Right. Absolutely. And another thing, too, that I, I picked up from not just Tim Mackey, but a lot of other guys is I think when you tell someone something, like when you just sit there and preach something at somebody, it's not as effective as if you make them feel like they discovered it on their own. Like if you take them through a process where you're asking questions and drawing things out in a way where you're leading them where you know you want to go, but they feel like they're, they feel like they discovered it. Like, Mm -hmm. like not like you're sitting there and you're just throwing out information, but it's almost like you're like, Hey, let's go on a deep sea, uh, Bible diving, like a scuba diving into the scriptures and we're going to search for treasure. And, And you want to make the people feel like they stumbled on something. And that doesn't always happen in every message. Like I've been here teaching at your retreat. Um, I haven't really been doing that question and answer Mm -hmm. style as much as I do when I teach a Bible college class or a a Christian school class. But so, yeah, my favorite form of Bible teaching, I would say, is when you're not just shoving something at someone and saying, listen to this, but you're making them feel like they're on this journey discovering it with you. It's like that scene in the mystery movie when you can see the protagonist is putting it all together, hmm. but they don't say it, and you know what they're thinking as their eyes light up real big. That's such a good And you're like, ah, oh, I'm right with them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. When you can connect it in that way, it gives you this sense of accomplishment. It it burrows it down deeper within you. Yeah, because you you take ownership of it. Yes. It's not like, this is something that this guy knows and he wants me to know. You're like, oh, now I know it like him because yes. we figured it out together. We solved the equation together. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you want me to talk at all about the sermon prep process that I go through? Yes, definitely. Okay, so I am all over the place. I have probably six different methods of ways I prep a sermon. When I first started, I was very linear. Um, I would get into Evernote and I would basically type it out word by word. and I don't really do that anymore because I find when I do that, I feel like I'm bound to like this manuscript and it doesn't give me a lot of freedom. So what I started doing after that was instead of writing it out word for word in Evernote, I would write out basically, you know, I'd write out my points, I'd write out my subpoints, And then as I'm going, I would, instead of writing a whole paragraph, I would just write a few words and I would put a little red line next to it. And that red line was a trigger for me where I knew If I see that red line, it means take this sentence and turn it into a paragraph. Okay. So it's giving myself space to kind of be free with something where I'm speaking more from the heart. 
all the content was there, like all of the prep work, all of the points were there, but it gave me the freedom to kind of say it in my own words. Mm-hmm. So that was early and years. And just be present in the room. Yes, and yeah. make eye contact, because I mm-hmm. find when I have a manuscript, I'm literally staring at my notes, because I have- You're a, just reading it. I have a terrible memory. I'm not good at memorizing things. Like I am even bad at memorizing scripture verses. I mm. know what the scripture says, but if you ask me like what was the passage or the reference or the quote, like I can't tell you. That's mm-hmm. just that's a weakness of mine. That's a weakness that's an, it's an embarrassing weakness. It's one I struggle with. I'm insecure about, but it, it, it's a weakness that I have. So because I have a bad memory, um, if I have my word for word thing, I'm literally just going to be looking down the entire time and not making eye contact with yeah. people. So that was early years. Nowadays, I have a lot of weird systems. One is mind mapping. So you can get these apps on your um, Mac or Windows. I have one called Simple Mind. You can get it on your phone too and sync it. But basically, um, do you know, are you familiar with what a mind map is? Not particularly. So picture like a blank canvas and then you have like a bubble that says, uh, you know, John 316. And then you create another bubble that's, it's like a branch in a tree. So it goes over the side and it's, let's say, for God so loved the world. And that's your point one. And then you can just continue to make these different bubbles. So it's like, as you're thinking, you're like, oh, that's a thought, that's a thought. I'm gonna bubble all these thoughts. And then you're sitting there and you're looking at this mind map and it's got different branches and different trees. And it's kind of like, basically like you, dumped your brain onto a table and all the pieces are there. And then once you're done dumping, then you can start arranging things in order. Because I'm not a linear person, I'm very kind of abstract in the way that I think. So I find if I can dump all of my thoughts about a message into this pile, then I can sit there and arrange it into an order I can preach from. Once you have all the parts, then right. you can begin assembling them. Exactly. Gotcha. If I, it's hard for me to write a message where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start with point one and work my way through point one until it's done and then work on point two. Because while I'm working on point one, I might all of a sudden get a thought about point three or point four. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so mind mapping is an easy way for me to kind of get everything out on the table and then make a choice about how I'm gonna arrange it instead of working from a process of arranging it and then fixing it later. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. Um, I love kind of freehand, like writing with a pencil. Um, But the problem with writing with a pencil, I used to write all my sermons out by hand, um, is you can't really do anything with it. So what I've moved from is I have an iPad app called Zoom Notes, and I actually um, will get, I have a template made But basically, Zoom Notes is this infinite whiteboard. You can zoom in, like I could put a picture of you in there and I could zoom in so far into your eyeball that I could begin prepping a new sermon inside your eyeball. So if you were like zoomed out, you would look at that picture and you wouldn't know, but there was a a whole like 10 page thesis inside your eyeball. So do you just have one like whiteboard that you're just constantly putting new sermons on? No, 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 no. Like each sermon is its own new document, okay. but, but it's an infinite whiteboard. So, yeah. so what I actually do is I will get off of Google Images a picture of a yellow legal pad, and I'll put it into the whiteboard, and I'll put like six of them up there. And then I have a stylus, and I'll just go to work, and I'll start drawing things, and I'll start writing out things and writing points, similar to what I do with the mind map, but it's kind of like everything's scattered, and then once I'm done, I'll even go on like quote 
websites and I'll actually grab like the picture of the quote and paste it in. Just drop that right in. Just drop it in. Or um, if if there's like something that is like an article that I want to pull from, I'll pull that in. I'm pulling in all this content into this whiteboard that I can then freely move things around. And then once all the pieces are there and I feel like I know my outline, I know the heart of the message, I know what God is trying to say in the message, then I'll start pulling the pieces together and I'll dump things that don't fit anymore. But I like that freedom. I, I'm really big on kind of being freeform. Mm-hmm. Something I'm doing now that's, I'll have to show you later on my iPad, it's really weird. I, sh- I showed uh, one of my old mentors at the Expositors Collective and he literally laughed at me and he's like, you're weird, this makes sense because you're weird. <laughs> but um, I, um, for this freeform, what I, what I started to notice with the, what I started to notice with the whole freeform thing was, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but like, um, you know how like when you're prepping your message of the week, you're very much in that headspace where like you understand that message really well. Yes. But if you pull out that message like three years later, it's hard to remember, even though all the pieces are there, it's hard to remember certain things about like what the little triggers meant, exactly what story you were trying to remind yourself of. Right. Yeah. So like sometimes I'm looking at my old notes and I'm reading something. I'm like, wait, what does that even mean? Like, what was I, you know, it's like, it'll say like, um, you know, like, old elderly milkmaid and I'm like reading that and I'm like I don't remember what that is like was that an illustration was that like what is that so um uh, what I ended up doing was uh I downloaded a bunch of these icons so basically I have 16 of them and they're these little almost like emojis I got them off a website called flat icon that I use for my graphics design stuff Mm -hmm. but I drag those into the sermon at different points and those little icons represent different things. I have a Bible uh, and that means that if this icon is here, that it's something from the Bible that we're going to. It's scripture. Gotcha. I have another one that's like a storybook, you know, like a classic storybook with like a Mm -hmm. rainbow. And that tells me I'm telling a story right now. Like this is a story. I have one that's just a fist and that means preach it. <laughs> when I see that fist, it means like right now, like just kind of trust and just go and that's just. That's gotta be such a motivating icon to see while you're preaching. It is. Like, go for it. I, I have another one that's like a laughing emoji that tells me this is an attempt at humor. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to tell a joke right now. Yeah. Which is great because again, when that week you're prepping that message, you know, you it, remember your jokes. Yeah. But then other times, like three years later, if you're pulling out those notes, you're like, I don't remember what I was going for here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have another one that's, it's literally, it's a, it's a Holy Spirit dove. And it means, it means when that Holy Spirit dove shows up in the notes, it means basically, I didn't really prep too much here. I left an, <laughs> I left an open space just for the Holy Spirit to speak into the moment, which I don't think is a bad thing. I don't think you no. want 90% of your sermon to be that. But if there's yeah. a point where you're like, okay, for different audiences, there might be different things that need to be said. There's a this. few different ways this can go. Exactly. And I'm just, I just need to find that in the moment with the Spirit's power. Exactly. So when other people look That's at... That's great. <laughs> thanks. This whole like icon system. Like, I love... I'll show it to you later. I That's can e- great. I can even give you I've my... I've done something similar with colors hmm. just because I used to do a lot of my sermon writing on pages documents. Yeah. So dropping icons in was hard, but that's right. that's cool seeing like those similar things. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, when you actually go up to preach, yeah. you're looking at 
this Zoom Zoom board was it called? Uh, Zoom notes. Zoom notes. Yeah. That you're looking at that document, mm-hmm. and that's what you're scrolling down and looking through. Yes. You don't look at the mind map while you teach, do you? No. That's more for your, just your prep time. That's usually an outline. Very occasionally, will I prep an entire message in a mind map form? Okay. I think maybe out of my messages, like I'd say, ten percent of my messages are just straight mind map. Um, lately, it's a combination where if you're looking at the sermon, it's going to be on my Zoom notes, the yellow pad pages. I usually, uh, what I'll do is if I have a four-point message, it's going to be a five legal pad sermon. Okay. So five yellow pads, one for the intro, and then one for each point. Gotcha. And I try to contain everything that's going to be said about that point in just that one yellow pad. To me... Okay. If I exceed that pad, then I'm going to be talking for too long. So it's kind of like I've I've conditioned my mind to be like each yellow pad is a 10-minute thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if it's a 40-minute message, four points plus the five-minute intro or conclusion or whatever, then yeah. that's kind of how I think of it. And each yellow pad is going to have like this combination of like there might be part of a mind map there. If maybe there was a concept that's really hard for me to preach like in a linear fashion, but if I can look at that mind map, it helps me to to speak it. Um, sometimes it's literal handwritten notes that I put into that thing. And sometimes it's typed out stuff. So it's kind of all over the place. Um, when my dad looks at my notes, my dad is very like, he types out everything and he's got three colors that mean three different things. And like, that is his system. And he teaches all his guys to do it that way. And he tried to teach me and I was just like, this is just too linear. I just, I gotta be, I'm, I'm a freak, basically. I'm a free-spirited <laughs> freak who does things his own way. And uh, people look at my notes and they think, I can't teach from this, but at least I can. And that's the thing. Your notes are for you. That's one of the things we talked about in an earlier episode about your notes are there to be the servant. They are not there to turn you into the servant. Right. So it's cool seeing how your personality makes its way <laughs> into those notes. Yeah. That's, that's great. It's awesome. And cool. it's, it's confusing sometimes, but it's awesome. So we both come from youth preaching backgrounds. Right. One of the things that I have always struggled with is that the things that I'm thinking about, I'm 26 and I'm doing junior high ministry. So I'm more than double their age in the vast majority of cases. Yeah. The things that I'm thinking about in my walk with Christ that has been going on, I don't don't quite have the background that you have of being the pastor's kid, but I was the church kid Mm. and I have parents who have been just amazing and super involved in church. Hmm. And I've been learning that from a young age. So my walk with Christ has been in process from the time I was born and really became my own around freshman year of high school. Right. So I've been walking with the Lord in many cases longer than these students have been alive. Right. So the things that I'm thinking about in my relationship with Jesus are not necessarily the things that they need to hear. Yes. And there's either the temptation to want to make them talk about the things that I find interesting. Yes. (laughs) Or even to preach messages that I'm bored by (laughs) things where it's like, yeah, I mean, I I mean, I'm never bored of the cross or the idea of God's grace, but I can teach it at a level that I feel beyond. Right. How have you, have you felt that? Have you worked through that? How do you manage that kind of, uh, tension in your mind? Oh Yeah. I mean, I've totally been through that because when I think of the place I'm at now with Jesus, and then I think back to where I was when I was 17 or 16, and even where I thought I was when I was 16 and 17, it's Mm -hmm. like 
like I feel like now I'm in a whole nother category than where I was at 16 and 17. Like I, I feel like it's kind of like, you know, the whole Jedi thing, you know, where you've got like the Padawans and the, the masters and all these different categories of Jedis. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've progressed and I'm at a place now where when I was 17, I thought I was the master and I realized how dumb that was. Now I realize like I am just now getting out of the Padawan area. Like yeah. I, I realize now I have so much to grow. I have so much to learn. Like I, I just want to soak up all this good stuff like a sponge. But I understand that that is not where in my context, like a 17 year old, 16 year old high school boy is. Mm -hmm. So what I've had to do is I've had to just really think, and I don't always do this, but the times that I have have been productive, I've had to think, where are these guys at? What are they thinking? What do they know? And sometimes even I've asked questions and put out little surveys about just simple things where I'm asking these kids like, what right now when it comes to the Bible and scripture, like what are you thinking? Like what are your questions? Like what are the big things that you're thinking through right now? Mm -hmm. And often, or actually pretty much always, the things that they're thinking through aren't the things that I'm thinking through. Yeah. So I have to figure out like what in their mindset is happening and put myself in that place and not just expect them to come up to my level, but I need to actually come down to their level, which is what Jesus did. Like, mm -hmm. and God, you know, Yahweh all throughout the scriptures, he's constantly meeting people right where they're at. And I don't know, I feel like there's this tension between it where it's like, you constantly are coming down to their level, but then also trying to pull them up. And I think the coming down has to happen first, because if you're just up there trying to pull them up, very mm -hmm. often they're not gonna be motivated, and they're just gonna look at you as a youth pastor and think, well, I'm never gonna be as spiritual as him. Yeah. And also I think a great thing too is just being real about your struggles. Like, being, like there's been times where I've been preaching a sermon and something is in the text that I don't understand. And I've studied my brains out to try to get it. But in the end, I'm like, you know what? I don't actually get this mm -hmm. all the way. And I've told my kids that. I'm like, hey, just so you know, I prepped this. I studied it. I read a bunch of commentaries. I still don't fully understand. But you know what? I'm just going to tell you that right now. And I'm going to commit myself to continue searching this out and studying it. And when I get an answer, then I'm going to get back up here and let you yeah. guys know. And that shows them that we're human. Like mm -hmm. we're not these super Christians that have it all figured out. It shows them like... You know what I mean? Is yeah, that kind of a sense? continuous student yes. of scripture? That's so important to be a continuous student. Mm -hmm. And when I think about when I get to do Q and A sessions with my youth, hmm. again, the questions that they'll come up with are not necessarily the things that I'm thinking through and like working through in my own mind, but I can get excited over the fact that this is pushing them towards progress. Yes, this is bringing them that extra little bit and. Thinking about progress, that's something I get excited about in these kids. I'm yeah. like, oh, they are progressing. They are moving forward. This is great. Yes. When I can see that, it really motivates me. And yes. so when I know that that's what a sermon or a sermon series is doing, hmm. then that's something that I can get really excited about. Absolutely. Like, w we love seeing that fruit because it validates us. The tough thing about youth ministry is a lot of times we don't see that fruit and, or... Um, I mean, youth ministry is really tough in the sense that it's like it's like basically like you're running a small church that explodes every four years yep. or every three years, and you lose everybody Complete or turnover. or all the key people who were like the leaders. Like that doesn't happen in normal churches. Like youth pastors have a tremendously difficult job, and so it can be really discouraging. And we talked about this earlier in the week when you, me, and. Uh, your wife and my wife were all eating ice cream, which was amazing ice cream. That was a good time. It was so good. But we were talking about how it can be really discouraging because 
you raise up these kids and you're giving them your heart, your life, everything, and they're just like apathetic and then they move from middle school to high school and then all of a sudden they're hanging out with the high school pastor and all the things that you planted in them start coming out, but mm-hmm. it looks like it's the high school pastor bringing that stuff out and you're sitting there and you're like, well, no, I I told them that. Yeah, I taught yeah. them that. Why weren't they like this for me? Like, why are they passionate now? It can be so frustrating, but I've just learned in my own experience that it's not about me and... Um, and I've been so blessed to see fruit in so many students eventually, sometimes in times I didn't expect to see that fruit come, but it doesn't always come. And there's students I can think of right now that I poured my life into and I'm still not seeing that fruit, but mm-hmm. I'm confident that even if it takes 30 years or 40 years, like God's going to do something with those seeds that have been planted. Absolutely. What's one thing you're working on in your preaching right now? I would like to be more in control of my time because I can tend to be long-winded. And honestly, there was times when I was doing middle school where I was teaching for an hour. And people, oh, man. Yeah. And pe- people would say to me, like, guys from other denominations that weren't Calvary would be like, we only do 15-minute messages for our students. What are you doing? And my excuse would always just be like, oh, you know, Calvary Chapel, we're really committed to the world or to the word. But I was just undisciplined. And so... Um, I have an app on my phone called Menu Timer, which is just like this little timer app that you wind up like an actual clock and then you can see the percentage of how much time is left, kind of like a pie chart almost. And so I have that on the stage with me when I preach and I just try to commit where it's like, okay, if I say 45 minutes, even if I get to the end and I still have like another point or two, I'm just going to wrap it up and use the material for the next week and not feel like, oh, I crafted this amazing sermon and so they got to sit there and suffer through it. I've actually realized that the human brain can only comprehend so much at once. And so if I have like six amazing points, it doesn't matter how amazing they are. They're probably only going to leave remembering one, if at all. Yeah. So... And the weird thing is, if you cut that six to three, yeah. then they may remember two. Yes. It's this odd thing where it's like in the great number, more gets lost. Yeah. That's great. And you've been preaching for how many years? I started when I was 17 um, as a volunteer. And then, so I, I, I preached a lot in the youth group as a volunteer. And then I became the youth pastor at somewhere between 20 and 21. And I'm 29 now. So... I'm not good at math. We'll call it 12. There you go. Okay. I think 12, 13? Yeah, something like that. We'll say 12. Great. It's a nice round number. It is. I like it. That's encouraging to hear that 12 years in, there are still things you're working on and dialing in. For me, at least, because I've been teaching for a while, maybe for some for, for someone listening that is a year in, they're mm. like, oh my goodness, I'm still going to be working on this 11 years from now. But mm. it's good to kind of see that there is no preacher that arrives. Oh, no. There is no, and now I've got it. Right. I have all the tools. I have all the things. Now I just go up there and wing it, and it's great. Yeah. I don't recommend going up and winging it. I no, think, neither do I. I think the text and the Bible and the scriptures deserve the work going into it, the preparation to come up with something that is fresh, that speaks to people. Thank you for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, make sure that you subscribe, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at First Time Bible Teacher. Gives you episode art, gives you updates on where the podcast is headed, and we'll link you over to the Good Lion Podcast Network, where you can find tons of great stuff that Aaron Silvato and a lot of other great people 
are creating in podcasts and article writing and all sorts of different mediums. Huge thanks to Aaron Salvato for coming on the podcast. It was such a good time being able to chat through teaching with him. We hope this conversation inspired you and encouraged you. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.